Welcome to Life and Lemonade, the podcast. This show is about sharing the stories of incredible people in our community and about how you can navigate your own journey by understanding how others have navigated theirs. I hope that you find inspiration, courage and peace in the stories of our guests so that you can make the best lemonade your life has to offer. This is Life and lemonade. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Life and Lemonade TV. Um, so as I'm about to get started, but I just wanted to touch base with you guys. I know that we're all here because we're all on a journey of self-discovery. We're all looking for a way to find out how to be better, how to have a better human experience, how to get the things that we want, um, you know, and just how to live a peaceful, loving, healthy life, right? Um, and I know that that's what got me on this journey. And so every week I try to bring people who have a different essence of an, an understanding and life experience that can augment something within ourselves, augment our learning without having to read just by listening, right? Because I think there's something that we can learn from everyone. And I think that Mohammed is a perfect example of evolution within oneself, um, evolution of mindset, uh, breaking of barriers, of breakthroughs, etc. Um, so let me go ahead and bring him in. Mohammed, did you request? Yes, you did. Thank you, Kish. Yes, I got dressed up today. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So, how are you? Um, uh, today's a lot. I wouldn't even lie. Today's a really? lot. Today's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, do we want to take a deep breath in? Deep breath out. Mm. Yes. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to our space. You heard my beautiful introduction of you. I did. You keep setting me up. <laughs> you know what? It's at some point in time, I, you got to believe it because it's true. Um, and so, as I was saying, I, I, I do believe that you are a perfect example of expansion. And you understand that. You know what I mean when I say that. Looking at where your life started versus where you are now you know and even what you've done in the in the last space of time so starting where you are now people know you as the founding member of of freetown collective which is a conscious band right they know you as a musician as an artist as an actor as a poet but um they might not have known where you started from truly right so to get to where you are now it has been a long walk right yeah 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 so Starting from where you are now, or I should say, starting from Freetown Collective, how does a Muslim man and a Rastafarian man come together to make a conscious band, but not only just come together, stay together for 10 years? Mm. How does would, that happen? I always tell people, um, I'm very, I'm spoiled. Because I know what a um, I know what a real relationship is. Okay. Right? Um, in that, in that I have someone in my life in the form of Lou, who right. I can be completely honest with. Mm -hmm. I can bring anything to the table, mm -hmm. um, and so 
Yeah, how do how does that happen? Well, I can tell you how it happens in terms of time and space, right? So, in two thousand five, um, I was hosting an open mic called Speakeasy, mm-hmm. and Lou came one night to perform, mm-hmm. and I was completely blown away just by his presence and what he performed and everything. And we hit it off that night, and we literally spoke all night, right. and then he disappeared for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Tobago to perform. And after I was finished performing, this person walked up and they took off this Ethiopian cross that they had around their neck and they put it around my neck. And he was like, you that guy from like five years ago. I was like, yeah, you that guy. And literally from that night, I think we've basically been inseparable for the last 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, it's, 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 a, it's a spiritual connection in a way that I, I don't share with any other human being really on the planet. Right. Um, I know it's rare because they're just... It's 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 rare. It, it's rare also because you two are from, if I could call it this, you two are from two polemic religions. In that, in the context of Trinidad and Tobago, it's like oil and water. In in many in many instances, I think let's say well yes, in some ways, on the surface they may appear to be so, but the value right. systems um, are basically okay. the same, and that's what kind of ties us together because the values are. They're so tied together. They they, they, right. they thought of justice and, and truths and rights and yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it's basically the same belief system at the core of it. Right. Okay. So now, how does a Muslim man and a Rastafarian man find themselves in carnival? How do we work? A Muslim man and a Rastafarian man of a conscious band find themselves in carnival. And what was your what was your realization or breakthrough from that? Um, carnival is the time in which our people most are most open to the art that is created here, right. like in a, in a general sense. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, Lou and I kind of felt like just because of where we were coming from, mm-hmm. um, that just wasn't our thing. But to me now, looking back, it was a sort of a lapse in my own self. At the time, I couldn't visualize a place for myself in it simply because of what it seemed Carnival and Soka was. Mm-hmm. But over the years, I've had the, the, the distinct opportunity of interacting with certain elders, such as N2 Springer, uh, Leroy Clark, Ella Andal, people who, who function in a different part of the society, people who play a different function and a different role. And I began to see just what our ancestors intended Carnival to be right. versus what it has become on a wider scale. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself that my input here would be invaluable if mm-hmm. I gave it the right thought. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down and within that, it's almost like a prayer went out. And then Ryan came mm-hmm. with, with this, with the song, well, with the, with the, with the beat for the song. Right. And I mean, the rest is really history. I think. A song that touched people's lives. Like I saw someone say that if they feel like this song has taken them back to their ancestors, like it opens a communication with their ancestors, and, and that doesn't ha- it's not happenstance. Well, it's not. Um, I, I believe you know in Islam we say by every action is judged by its intention, and so we came, we came with the intention of opening people back up, of giving people that joy again. Everything started to feel like a competition. Who could whine more? Who could go more fat? Who could, who could, who could? But carnival, carnival is our time to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, are, if, we are, if we are held down by any chains or any, anything at all, carnival is our time to truly free ourselves. Carnival is our time to reconnect. I think of carnival like um, the spirit that sleeps out in the sea, right? Or out of Trinidad. 
And then when we start making our costumes, it starts hearing the wire bending. When we start playing the pans, it hears it under the water and it slowly, slowly rises. And there comes a point where that, that spirit fully rests over Trinidad. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly just starts doing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it just gets that fever height and it walks back into the sea until next year. Right. So right. I feel about it, you know? And we call it. And I think when we call it, depending on our own intentions and our hearts, um, is how it will come, how it will manifest itself, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there, there is a spiritual connection to the music because it embodies us. Like carnival, yes, it's something we do. We put on the costumes, we go out into the street, we dance, right? But beneath all of that and what is carrying the spirit of carnival is the music. It comes right back down to how it even started. So what did you realize after doing carnival? What did you walk away with perceptively that you never knew before in your own way? Man, you know, you have to, you have to realize and acknowledge where you, where you become judgmental right. because that's the space where you'll break through and grow. Because if you're judgmental, a judgment is a wall. Mm -hmm. You can't, you make an, an, an assumption or an opinion. You put a wall up, you don't walk through it. You don't walk over it. You don't, you just keep bouncing that wall because that's what you think. And that's all you're ever going to think. And I think I was very judgmental of my own people. Even in the writing of the song, um, there's a line in the song that says, feel my love unfolding like a laughing flame. And when I wrote the line, I was like, this line is too much, you know? So it's supposed to be real simple and just, yeah. you know? And my girlfriend at the time, she was like, no, just, just leave it. It's beautiful, mm -hmm. leave it. And to see people appreciate, you know, me saying stuff like people live a thousand lives and never feel as free. Those aren't lines that you, that you will typically hear in a soca song. And so I was a bit... I had some trepidation as to whether or not to put it, mm -hmm. you know, but now seeing what happened and also how other artists have reacted, I think it's changed so much and it's changed so much in myself that I'm no longer, I'm no longer afraid of my own people, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, which is really kind of weird to say, but that's how I felt. I felt as though I wasn't sure if, it'd be, if it, it would be accepted, meaning I wasn't sure if I would be accepted. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. look at us, like... Yeah, right. it's not a typical soca space, right? True, and I do think that we're in a, a time where that allows for more to be said um, in a song, and I think you see the effect of that even from this song, um, yeah. and that people are looking for messages. You know, the yeah. music does half of the job in terms of, you know, in possessing us, in terms of getting us to feel and getting us to evoke, right? And then the songs carry you, the words carry you the rest of the way. So I feel like it's we're in a, a prime time to, to probably do more of that as we move forward, right? Absolutely. But Absolutely. so just even looking at you in the carnival getting here, right? Yeah. So people see you as Freetown, they, they hear the song, they hear you, they probably saw you on the road. But you have had to break through a lot of barriers to even get to this point and that is what i want to go back to right because many people here may not know that you're muslim traditional if i could say traditional oh, muslim, yeah. right militant. <laughs> militant muslim you are the son of salim muakil who who led the coup and for some people here they don't know the 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 magnitude of what that even means, but Trinidad and Tobago would know what it means to be the son of a leader that leads you into overthrowing the government of a country. Um, and then even your even your journey 
you know, we spoke about this recently, but your journey of going to Libya to study Arabic to become an imam, right? So I'm painting the picture of a very staunch, rigid Muslim, very which much. is not what we see sitting across from us perceptively. So yeah. tell me, how do we move from that to where we are now? In I think I've always space. been, huh? In your mind space. I've always been a strange child. Eh? <laughs> I, I remember from very early on kind of hiding some of my opinions and not asking some of the questions I wanted to ask because many times things would, they would seem very easy for other people to accept and they just, it never was for me. Right. There's so many things that just weren't easy for me to accept that other mm -hmm. people seem to accept with ease. And as I got older, it got worse, mm -hmm. you know? So someone would say to me, this is how you pray. And I would ask, well, what is the purpose of prayer? And they would say to connect to God. And I would say, well, when I do this thing you've told me, I don't feel connected. Mm -hmm. So then is there something wrong with me? Or is there something wrong with the thing? You know, and, and for a long time, I felt as though there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that there's nothing wrong with the thing and there's nothing wrong with me. It just wasn't the thing for me necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I, at the age of 17, I traveled to Africa, to Libya to learn um, Islamic theology and Arabic. And when I came back home, I was even more convicted in my faith. I, I think I was very, very myopic. I wasn't open to very much um, other points of views. I, I literally felt like um, Islam was the only truth and everybody else just, you know, they knew, but they were chosen to not be Muslims. Right. Um, and then a lot happened in my life that at some point I will talk about and it will probably get a lot of people angry, but today's not that day. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up in the University of the West Indies. And in the University of the West Indies, for the first time in my life, there were young women who were looking at me in my face and being like, yeah, a lot of the views that you have, well, they're counter views. They're things that are different. And I was meeting a lot of young men who didn't believe what I believed, but were good people. I was starting to meet elders who were of completely different faiths, Orisha and, 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 and Roman Catholic elders and Baptist elders who pulled me in close, who called me son, who taught me things that I didn't know, who mm -hmm. fed me, who I, I slept in their houses, who, who, who introduced me to things and gave me opportunities in life that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you start thinking to yourself, well, the world isn't this dichotomy that you believe. It's, it, it's, it's so much more than that. And so I had to step back from a lot of what I was taught growing up or what I had taught myself. And um, once I began to do that, um, the world kind of opened up and I knew that I would be throwing myself into a space that would be dangerous for my founding ideologies, meaning that they were about to be ripped to shreds. And I knew that I knew I was throwing myself into a river and I knew that I would get knocked all over the place and I would get bruised and I would get hurt. But I knew also that there's a wisdom in there that I would collect. And one day, the river would quiet itself, as rivers must do. Mm -hmm. and at that point in time, I would have collected all these things. And so I started on that journey, I would say, in my mid-20s. in my mid -twenties, Right. You know? Right. Um, and it wasn't easy because it meant, in a way, walking away from the community that I grew up in because I am now, in a way, unrecognizable to many of the people I grew up with. The things I say, the life I live, the art I make, um, I'm not on the path that they are on. And many of them can't see even the humanity in me, you know? Um, but yet still we persist, don't we? Right. 
we yeah. must we must follow what we're called to do i yeah. think and i think that that's a, a very brave decision and not one that you just you know make overnight you don't casually just walk away from everything that you knew in essence um i do want to ask you this in in therapy they you know whenever you're dealing with things in your adult life in therapy they make you go back to your childhood right because they believe that your personality is formed between zero to eight years old right and, and for you and then whatever life events happen to you in in your childhood kind of forms you into who you are now absolutely what is what is one of the major things that you've had to conf confront outside of your spirituality from your childhood that has now opened new, a new direction, new thinking, new beliefs? Whew. Damn. <laughs> Life unlimited. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, there's so many. There's so many things. I think every young man has this thing where he says, you know, there are certain aspects of his father that he doesn't want to, to be like, doesn't want to end up like. Um, and I think that's one of the things for me, where you have this very strong conviction. There are things that my father did that I don't want to do, I don't want to do, and I don't want to do. But I realize now that by focusing on the energy of I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I actually was given that thing power. Um, and really, I should have just said, I have one permission to be me, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so looking back, I think that terrible focus on, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like this. I literally was putting that energy out into the universe mm -hmm. and creating circumstances for myself that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. um, another one of the things was that, you know, the level of militancy that I grew up with, um, there were certain things that were just ingrained in me that didn't allow me to, to, to be free. I mean, if we really talk any things, right? By the time I was six years old, I mean, on the mosque before, before everything, I, I had learned to load and unload at least two different types of handguns. Um, when my dad went into jail because of the coup, I started sleeping with a knife under my pillow. And that didn't stop until probably uh, three years ago when my ex was like, this is not gonna work. She's like, right. this is not. But you I are never, constantly preparing yourself for war, combat, right? For war, for whatever came, because that's how we were raised. Right. You know, that there was always, and the thing is, you know, going up on the mosque, um, every other morning, the police are kicking your door in, um, dragging your mother and your father outside, lining everybody up. I mean, it's almost like some kind of movie from some wartime thing that you would see. But this is how we grew up, you know? We would be in the school, and the police would pass, and they would shoot at the school, and we'd go under the desk and come back up like if nothing ever happened. This. Right. This was how I grew up. This was the Trinidad I knew. So when I tell some people about this, they're like, nah, that can't be for real. Right. But this right. is this is the Trinidad I knew. Right. You know? And and that's a that lives inside of your, your body though. That kind of always preparing for something to jump off lives inside yeah. of your body. Many people at the recent protests, the, the police were trying to film us. Mm -hmm. And you know, it triggered me. And only looking back I realized why. Now for for the average person, they don't have they, they only see unpleasant experiences with the police, like extremely unpleasant ones. They only see that on TV, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, my entire formative years were just completely unpleasant opportunities. The police tried to kill my father in 1995, and I was almost in that car, right? That car was shot with 164 rounds of ammunition, right? Um, a lot of people don't know these things about me, so when, when they see me take certain stance, they may not understand. But that's how... 
I was introduced to the police. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw the policeman filming at the at the um at the rally we had, immediately my mind goes, Well, you're not a media house. Why are you filming? You're collecting intelligence on the young people who are here. Mm -hmm. They're making statements about their life and how they want to see Trinidad that some people may not deem to be patriotic or that some people might feel they should not say. And right. I think they should be free to say them and therefore they shouldn't be filmed by the police. But you know, again I feel I understand now that some people don't have the experiences I've had with the state. So let me ask you this then. How do you reconcile that within yourself? Because you're speaking very intellectually about these things. You have an awareness of of your childhood. You have an awareness of some measure of trauma. But how do you actively now deconstruct and reconcile these things within yourself? Because it's more than just an idea, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I grew up in a world of violence. I grew up in a world that, that was run by intelligence, but as well underscored always by violence. So people right. would go to the table to negotiate, but it was always known in the world I grew up in that, you know, if you can't, if you can't um, agree with what we're saying, right. violence is always an option. Right. You know what I mean? Violence was always an option. And, and I think as much as I felt as though I was a, a, a placid individual in many ways, that I'm peaceful and all of that, inside of me is this propensity to be very violent if necessary it lies there and it kind of waits you know and i am not quick to anger at all but it's there and, and many many times now especially because looking back at it I, I i have to keep a better eye on it because when it comes to injustice um it almost is as if the gates are just open and it can come out at any point in time and i really have to keep an eye on it because let me let me explain i grew up around men who didn't been, who, who had faced so much brutality at the hands of the police um, and in communities that faced so much injustice and brutality at the hands of the state mm -hmm. that they themselves became the judges in their mm -hmm. communities. Wherever my father ended up, he always ended up as the judge. People would come to him if there was any problem in the communities. So let's say there was a rape in the community mm -hmm. or someone got raped, these men would go out. They would find the person, they would bring them back to the family, they would ask the family, what is the justice that you want? Because sometimes you go into the court and just by the, 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 the letter of the law, you can get off and all that kind of stuff. I mean, everything from petty theft to murder was right. dealt with outside the confines of, of the law. So you are and a system unto yourself. It was a system unto itself and it, right. and it worked. And, you know, many people might say, well, you know, that's not the way to go if you're living in a society. But the truth mm -hmm. is there are many people who seek justice at the hands of the state and they never find it. Right. And so there was this, this option. And in many ways now for myself, because I want Trinidad to be a place of justice, mm -hmm. and I don't only want to create something separate and apart, I have had to calm that part of myself that often wants to return to that type of behavior. And as an attorney, it is my duty to impart on you that you, you find that within yourself. So just before we continue, Rose just said she got in and she wants to know a little bit about you. Um, just for anyone who's just joining, we are sitting with Mohammed of Freetown Collective. Um, you would know his song for sure. You would know his music. Um, and then especially his song from Feel the Love, which I've posted, but which you've also heard for, Carna for Carnival. Mohammed is Muslim, um, which we just touched on. He is the son of... Uh, a, a Muslim leader who led his country to a coup, and uh, we're we're talking about uh, growing up in that space, growing up, what what it was like having a childhood, living in a Muslim community, 
uh, under certain conditions. So this is what you're listening to now. Right? Um, so, Mohammed, after all that, all of that, who are you? Not what, not what do you do? Who are you? Who is Mohammed Muwakil? Hmm. I am, I am a little joyful piece of God hmm. that got trapped in some flesh in a place that doesn't seem to know itself. Mm. And I'm trying to help other people to see that in themselves while also um, writing some of the injustices I see that bar people from seeing that part of themselves. Right. As it's in. Mm -hmm. As it, mm -hmm. Until I can go back home. Until you can go back home. <laughs> yeah. When do you think that you understood who you were? I don't think I understand who I am. Mm -hmm. I think that statement could change in the morning what I just told you. But well, that's what I feel. Yeah. But if, if, if I had to not dance, the wrong question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, and this might sound real weird to people, I suppose I've collected the understanding over the years. Right. But over the last three months, a type of understanding has come to me mm -hmm. um, that has stilled me. And I've been able to use all of the knowledge I've gained over the years in ways that I didn't um, I didn't think possible. Right. So there's a stillness now um, that is a large part of who I am that I'm trying to cultivate more than anything else. So as you say that, as you as you say cultivate, what are what are two of the major things that you feel helps you? Two of the major tools that you implement or use that helps you get to that space. Um, you have to have some sort of 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 ritual. It doesn't have to define your entire day, but there must be something that your body can look to, your spirit can look to. Um, in order to trigger that. So for me, um, I don't know if, if, if the people listening may understand the concept of liminal space, but liminal space is that space between what we perceive as the, as the physical world and the spiritual world, right? Mm -hmm. um, liminal space is that space that, that is just that in-between space where messages can pass, where you feel the spirituality of your own self. Mm -hmm. We are often barred from that because we perceive ourselves as our mind. Um, and the mind needs work to do, and so does the body. And if you can get into a ritual of, of, of putting the mind in a space of work, and you can get into a ritual of putting the body into a space of work, mm -hmm. and at times where they can expect to be given that work, it frees the spirit to travel a bit. Um, and that for me is, is what I do. So I wake up in the morning, I eat some food, drink some water, exercise, I sit down, um, I meditate for about 20 minutes, I get up, I take a bath, and I begin my day. Um, and that sets the tone. I find now when I don't do that, um, my body goes, what's going on? My mind goes, right. what's, what's happening? You know, yeah. I kind of set it for them and I let them know what we are doing. This is what we are doing today, you know, because right. I am not my body and I am not my mind, but they do have rights over me. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, but I have to, as someone just said, Rosia, the spirit should lead us. I have to lead me being the spirit. You know what I mean? And I can't allow either body or mind to be in charge because that'll just be chaos. I share that with you, you know, I, I think that's one of the most valuable things that I've come to understand even along my own journey is the, the actual value of sitting and creating space for ourselves to, to go inward, to really touch base with, with ourselves beyond our mind, beyond our body. So we put our body in a very still state, we put our mind in a very still state and we breathe and see what comes through. And at first I was very... Um, I was re very rebellious towards it because uh, I'm a 
born rebel, if I may say so. And, and it just was not a thing for me. I was like, you know, I have things to do. Oh my God. Like I could probably just, you know, intellectually ask myself, how do I feel and write it out? But no, right. it's completely different. Yeah. What you would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a space and there's a thing of knowing. And that's what the mind does, right? And the mind and ego, they're just all bundled up into one. So ego mm -hmm. is like ego is like the one who wants to drive the mind, you know? Right. A slave driver. Right. And they all get bundled up and they try to tell you that, you know, you can actually you can figure this out. Right? Mm -hmm. Life real simple, don't worry. We have here. Mm -hmm. Do this, do this, do that, and your life will be good. Mm -hmm. And they are just working with these circumstances they've been given. So if someone grows up and they see, you know, around them, they just see people stealing, for example, and they buy into that, right? Not everybody will, obviously, but someone might. They buy into that. Then their mind tells them, this is the way. This is what you're going to do. And if you do this and this and this and this and this, and you do this better than this person, and you do this better than this person, or whatever, whatever, and it just bundles up this life for them. But somewhere inside, it says, no, that's not the way you have to be. But I'm waiting for you to listen to me, and then I'll tell you what to do and what to do really in many ways is is nothing right and a lot of people be like what are you talking about the first step is to realize that you don't need um anything to validate yourself right. you are the most valuable thing that exists on this whole planet right. literally what you are yeah and that go that actually goes back to the question i asked you who are you outside of outside of what you do you know, it's actually a very simple answer. It has nothing to do with what your talents are, what your job is. It just who, in essence, it, what is your nothing? How do you describe your nothing? Um, let me, what do you think, what do you think this whole human experience is about? Like, um, well, so many different views on that, eh? but I do think that we're here I think that the universe has questions. I think it. I think the essence of existence is curiosity. That's what I think. And I think that each one of us is an attempt to answer something. We don't know what the question is. But once we align ourselves with purpose, we begin answering the question. And once we begin answering the question, then we are serving what made us in the highest way possible. Right? And, and that's it. So we begin answering that question and everything within us as well, it, it unfolds. You know what I mean? So we've created all sorts of different explanations for it. But I think it's as simple as that. I think that the, that, that God has questions. Right. Right. <laughs> and we are the answers to those questions. Um, and, as, and, and the questions are constantly unfolding. They're not questions in the way we think. It's not a one answer thing. It's not a, you know, it's a thing that unfolds and will continue to unfold. And will continue to ask questions about itself. You know, the depth of it, we will never understand. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that is what I believe. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. So, along this journey, as you deconstruct your your you know your your belief system, as you start to look out look outward, question the things that you grew up knowing, or the things that you even know now, right? What do you, what do you, what have you come to understand, or what has been revealed to you? that is not you, that you always thought was you. Mm. Go ahead. Well, we spoke about this recently. Yeah, we spoke about this, but I told you there were so many answers. And as you ask me again, another one comes in my mind. 
Um, I really used to think that I could change people, like mm. fundamentally. I used to believe that. I used to believe that I could change certain situations fundamentally without doing the work in myself. Mm. So I used to believe that there was this, again, it's mind and ego, right? I used to believe that I could talk a good game and yeah, help yeah. people to see the light and whatever. But the truth is that if it doesn't already exist in me, anything that comes out of my mouth is in a, in, in a way a form of a lie. Mm-hmm. And it won't resonate. It just won't. Um, even if some people believe it, even if a hundred thousand people believe it, even if, even if at some point it's going to fail because it has to be a part of me to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I always knew that, but I don't think I always practiced that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's one thing to say something, but to truly practice it, to truly have it as a way of your being, that takes a kind of work that most of us, I don't think, are actually ready to, to do. Because it, it means facing some really, really ugly parts of yourself. Are you ready to say, I am a lazy person? Are you ready to say that? Are you ready to say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an unclean person? Are you ready to say, I'm someone who lies? Are you ready to say, I'm a cheater? Are you ready to say, like, to face these things in yourself? You know what I mean? Because if you condemn any of those things, while they yet exist in you unfaced, then what are you doing? Then, then it almost seems self-loathing and 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 self-deprecating which Absolutely. which to some extent it really isn't it but but it's the beginning of an awareness and the beginning of a change within yourself Absolutely. you know um Absolutely. and and it, it's such a challenging journey i think you know i've had to encounter that along my way as well like you know i've i've grown up with people seeing me as a particular thing right it, you know as a model as as a platform but what if i were to tell you that there's a deep sense of me that does not identify with that at all it would, it would it would be mind blowing right it would no. be almost hypocritical because here i am sitting hosting you with red lipstick on you know what i mean like yeah, but you see, again, again, it's it, uh, one of my mantras these days is being gentle with myself, right? Yeah. So not because I don't want to identify with body and mind right. solely, not because I don't want them to lead, doesn't mean that my body doesn't enjoy wearing this wonderful white t-shirt because of the cloth. I love this t-shirt. It is old, right? It don't look old, but it's so old, uh, but it feels good on my skin. Mm-hmm. And I think detachment from body and mind doesn't mean leaving these things behind. Mm-hmm. So, then you're here today. It doesn't mean that you're that you're <laughs> that you're superficial or anything. We right. must adore and, and and cherish these things that we were given and their gifts, you know. Mm-hmm. And in the beautification of them is praise in itself, you know. I like to think of fashion as a form of praise because God made the birds, yeah. You see these feathers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? God made all these creatures with these different types of fur and the different eyes and all of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I think fashion is a kind of a, a type of praise, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, and I also think it's an acknowledgement that we are not any one thing. No. You know, that we are dynamic beings. There is also duality that exists within us. Same and least. so, yeah. And so, it's it's an acceptance of, of the layers that we, we all are. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so, what do you think love is? Oh, God. 
Well, we're coming in heavy and hot today, you know. Well, it's it's, it's soul conversations, you know, so. <laughs> um, my brother and I, Lou, we talk about these things all the time. And I've spoken about this with you as well. I think mm -hmm. love, is, love is to say, I am here. Mm -hmm. regardless love is love is that presence in all things mm -hmm. so to identify your lover or your beloved and to place yourself in their presence almost at all times it's a type mm -hmm. of a remembrance a type of acceptance um of who they are fully you know but you can't do that unless you know who you are and unless you strive to know who they are as well mm -hmm. um but yeah love is i am here that's it i'm here Mm -hmm. I found that clip and I'm going to post it for the benefit of the community, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think then is spiritual partnership? Because, you know, the a lot of a lot of our focus as individuals is it's companionship, it's relationship, right? And and we're all seeking spirituality now. We're in a space where we're speaking, we're seeking ourselves, we're seeking authenticity. So what do you think or what for you is spiritual partnership? Um, hmm. spiritual partnership is firstly recognizing that love is not um, some sort of a playground mm -hmm. that's covered in, in like spongy little balls and stuff so that if you fall you won't hurt yourself or you won't go through some of the worst things you've ever experienced. When we meet other people, um, oftentimes we look at them from the outside and we hope and we pray that they have perfected themselves as we move into, into their space. So we, we expect that they've taken care of this thing and they've had this experience kind of almost mirroring us, the things that we've gone through. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that that's just not how life works, mm -hmm. you know? And spiritual partnership is when you find someone who is able to move you through those things and move with you through those things. Not necessarily move you, but move with you through those things while keeping themselves open enough to understand that as a being, you're going to change constantly over and over and over. They almost have to fall in love with you over and over and over because the views that you held yesterday, you may not hold them today within your spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they may see that as hypocrisy, mm -hmm. but some of the greatest spiritual changes require sometimes a 180 degree turn from what you thought just yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the moment you see the truth, you have to make that turn, even if, if it's 180 degrees, even if the whole of mankind calls you a hypocrite. When you see that truth, you have to turn around. You know right. what I mean? You have to make right. a turn. And so spiritual partnership is that person who will, they will challenge you on the turn. But once they see it as well, they're, they're, they're there with you. They will pivot with, with you. you. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think that's an important understanding as well. And that's that's probably one of the most challenging things to achieve, I think, especially now in a society like like ours um, with social media and whatnot. But to be able to have the permission to question everything, mm. to constantly change um, and, and then to move beyond your own authority, because a lot of what happens is that we we think because of the ego, we think we become authorities unto ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we believe that everything we think is right. And to be in a spiritual partnership, you need that open space to question yourself mm -hmm. largely mm -hmm. and then question each other. Yeah. And that is not always, a, um, as you say, it's not always fuzzy and comfortable mm -hmm. to do the that. Ego the ego doesn't want to be questioned because 
you know, to be questioned is to assume that what you know isn't the supreme thing to be known. Right. You know, ego just there like, I know everything, and I know, and I know, and I know, and ego is not quiet, ego does not listen. Right. You know, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So those are very difficult spaces for us, but they're necessary, you know? So what would you tell, from all that you know now, and have aggregated now, what would you tell your younger, 16-year-old Muslim self oh, who is in Libya studying Arabic to become the Imam. What would you say to him? I probably wouldn't tell him anything. Hmm. I would just watch him. <laughs> I, would just, I would just look at him because everything that he went through, everything that, that affected him, um, Every single thing has has led to the point at which we are now. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to, if I had to, had to say something to him, I would just say, you know, you are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You're not your mind. I love. And what you need to do, the only thing you need to do, is to get to a place in yourself where you can observe mm -hmm. your mind. Mm -hmm and not be affected and wrapped up in your thoughts. Because I think I spent years of my life mm -hmm. completely immersed in thought. Yeah, I think I spent years of my life, because we do it, right? We, we in school and we plan in, what's the next move? Right. You know, what do I do? What's the best way I can position myself to get ahead in life? Mm -hmm. And even if you're an artist, even if you're, you're, you're living and you're doing community work or soul work or whatever it is you're doing, you're always saying, how can I, how can I, I'm adjusting yourself. What's the best move? What's the you know? We always mm -hmm. shifting and planning in our heads, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's. I wouldn't say it's unnecessary, but a lot of it is. A lot mm -hmm. of it is necessary because the true work is just learning to be still in your own self and understand that you are the most powerful thing you've ever met. Uh, Day is asking, what is the point of our ego? Um, that's a real good question. I figure now too. I really <laughs> supposed to give you an answer because. Um, you know, we, I, I suppose we think we must identify with, with something, right? Right. So I am a carpenter. I am a footballer. I am, meaning I have lived my life and I have achieved this. I mm -hmm. am Muhammad Muwakil. I am, I am. But somewhere inside of myself, I am observing myself saying I am Muhammad Muwakil. I'm hearing the mm -hmm. words coming out of my mouth. I'm observing myself saying I'm an artist and whatever. And there's still a part of me that, that that knows I am so much more than that, mm -hmm. that knows that, that doesn't resonate deeply with a lot of these words because they're just, they're just words. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know fully. I don't know fully what, what ego is, is for, really. I can give you real scientific answers on what Freud say and blah, 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 but yeah. I, don't I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, we, we, none of us know, to be honest. We're all here trying to figure it out and we learn by our own experiences. And I think that the ego helps us. Sometimes it, there's a point in our lives when the ego actually helps us get past something, you know, it helps us navigate sometimes to step over things we can't handle to move forward. But then there is a point in time when the ego is completely destructive, you know, when we find ourselves repeating patterns that feel so harmful and unproductive in our lives that it forces us to sit and look back at ourselves and say how did we get here what is the road that we traveled and what is it that we have been employing you know as they say as defense mechanisms that are no longer 
serving us. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to ask you now, if I may, and I like, I, I'm asking this question because I want, there, there are a lot of females here. So oh. you're looking like you're almost frightened for my question. Oh, but, <laughs> I want to get your perspective. <laughs> no, no. I want to get your perspective as a man. Sitting in your chair, what do you think about the feminine divine energy? And what do you think is important for both men and women to understand about the feminine divine? Divinity. We're surrounded by it. Um, we wouldn't. We wouldn't be if it wasn't. It is the. It is the balance to things. Many times it holds the balance while the other one goes off trips and on and about the place, causing war and everything. Over years, it's it's been the holder of the balance. You know, if we if we deal with 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 that yin and yang energy, you know, it sometimes sometimes it's the only thing that has saved us. Mm -hmm. I think I have a lot of that in me. Um, I grew up around some very strong women, mm -hmm. really, really strong women. And very early in my life, I was able to see just how strong. I mean, when you think about it, it's always these stories mostly of men going off and dying. And the woman holding the world together. Feminine energy holds this whole world together. Because as men, we can be very, very irresponsible, especially in our youths. We're irresponsible with ourselves. We're irresponsible with, with the hearts of others. We're irresponsible with our wealth. But somehow, that divine feminine energy, it, it, it holds. It just holds, you know? It is love itself in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think boys from a young age should be exposed to as much of it as possible. Because I think that in many ways, the societies that we exist in, they diminish it. They diminish the power of it. They diminish the strength of it. And young boys aren't able to, and, and many men, not just young boys, but men in general, sometimes aren't able to appreciate women as, as beings. You know, uh, we interact so much with women as objects because of advertising and just in general, when, 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 when boys are younger, they're not taught to see women as intellectual beings many times. You know, in my particular case, I would tell you that it wasn't really until I was in my late teens, early 20s that I actually began to have serious intellectual conversations with women and to discover what the mind of a woman is. Because I, I think that we live in two different worlds. I think that there's, you can't begin to understand the world I see when I look out on it. And I can't begin to understand the world you see. You know what I mean? Your consideration is so different. Just something as simple as dealing with a menstrual cycle. This is a whole thing by itself. You know, be it in a world where you are the object of desire in a very specific type of way all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, being in a world where you, you're told that you have to look a certain type of way all the time. The considerations, mm -hmm. you know, in my last relationship, I learned so much by just listening to my, to, my, to my girlfriend because she would say to me, like, preparing to go somewhere, what her process would be. What her thoughts would be. So if she's going to this type of place, she wouldn't dress like this because she knew that there's going to be these kinds of men here and this and that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I think men need to listen. Mm -hmm. Truly, truly, truly listen to our women because we have created a world that is not safe for them to exist in. 
-hmm. You know, a, a woman wanting to go and take a drive at 2 o'clock in the morning, the considerations that she's making are not the same ones I'm making. And no, it, it's a completely different world altogether. Yeah, you know? and it, it, there's a thing that Dave Chappelle said. It's very crass, but it's, it's Dave. He said he used to work at this comedy club for all these gangsters, right? Mm -hmm. And one night his set was so good when he was younger that they gave him $25,000, right? Mm -hmm. So he's going home on the subway with this little bag with $25,000 on it. And he's thinking, everybody around me wants this thing that I have. If they knew I had this thing on me, they would kill me and take it away from me. And then he was like, is this how women feel? And I, 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 to punctuate what you just said, I mean, we have 10 minutes, so we're about to digress. But Rukai Yaboye, I'm sorry, Rukai, sorry if I called your name wrong. He said, question, do you believe sexism is a bigger issue than racism? I think sexism and racism live in the same house. But what do you think? Um, God, it doesn't matter because either way, if we if we talking about it, women still face the brunt of it. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but women still face the brunt of both of those things. Still, still face the brunt of it, you know. Yeah. Because whatever whatever a man is facing, most of the time women are facing it three or four or five or tenfold wherever they are. They have so many more hurdles to get over. And you know, as a woman, I would like to say, I would like to um, emphasize that. Um, I think why I say sexism and racism live in the same house is that it's judgment. You know, it, yeah. it, it, comes from, it comes from judgment. You know, we are all seeking equality. Like right now we, we're in a space where we're seeking for equality for black lives. But that's, that's also a thread of the conversation that women are just seeking from men in everyday life. And have been. And have because been. when we finish this fight, which we may never, mm -hmm. women, unfortunately, may have to come and fight again and fight the same brothers who they have to fight to liberate for their own liberation again. You understand? Again. And they that's why. Again. That's why when, when, when people are saying all black lives matter, that's a very, very important underscore that we have to make in the current struggle. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to come and have to fight ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and many times that's what's happened. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I, I really wish for men to hear that, to, to consider that the journey of a woman is is an extremely layered and challenging one. Mm -hmm. And if if by them just understanding that is yeah. the beginning, then I'm grateful because Absolutely. the road from there on it would be a better road for us, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, we've said a lot, we've spoken about a lot. I'm, I'm not going to hit you with anything. I'm just going to take a moment to acknowledge the people in the house. Um, if they have any questions for you, I would allow them to answer, uh, to ask you that, but is there anything on your heart that you would want to say that maybe we haven't touched on, you know, that I haven't asked you? Is there anything that you've discovered over this period of time that you'd like to say? There really is only one message for me now, you know, and that is we are not, we are not our thoughts. And it's, it's the easiest way for those who want to control us to get into our heads. Yeah. We must wear these type of brands. We must eat this type of food. We must be this type of society. It absolutely boggles my mind that we, it seems we've lost the ability to dream a different world. Mm -hmm. We dream of all kinds of things, but we can't seem to dream another existence. 
So for instance, in Trinidad, black voices get killed. And we're going to kill at least 400 every year. So if a murder happens, you could kind of just expect it's going to be a black boy. And we can't seem to dream our way out of these things. You know what I mean? We, 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 the school system is going to fail a certain amount of youths. That's acceptable. A certain kind of people and a certain amount of them will always live under the poverty line. It, 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 there are certain things we just accepted. And I want to say, now is the time for us to break those things completely. We're not accepting things that we've accepted for so long. We're dreaming differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the Rose Petals asks, what gives you joy? Especially now. Gosh, I'm going to sound like such a hippie, eh? but there is a place in me Who that's cares? so quiet. There's, there's a place in me that's so quiet. Mm -hmm. It's so quiet. And I have access to that place. I could go inside myself and recline on my nice royal blue throne and just rock back and watch the world mm -hmm. going by. And I am so grateful and so happy that I have found that place because I don't, I don't need anything else. I mean, I wouldn't mind a starch man want some water in the morning. But if I don't get it, you know, I don't mind having a conversation, you know, with a beautiful, intelligent woman. But if I don't get it, I don't mind um, wearing a certain type of shirt. But if I don't get it, I can still sit back in myself and really just smile, really just feel my heart beat, feel the wind on myself, feel the temperature of the room, feel myself. And just be joyful that I exist. I exist in a body that works. I have a mind that can dream and think and work things out. And I have a, I have a beautiful heart that was given to me. That's what gives me joy, you know. That's what gives me joy. I like that. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Nah, say me too. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I was going to to hit you with something else, but it's I'm no, going to. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have five minutes. So, where do you go from here? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I um, you see again that so my mind immediately goes, oh, I have projects, and I have, uh, and I have to say, no, calm yourself down. That's not that's not what we're talking about. Because my mind wants to justify my existence all the time. It seems that that is the project of our minds these days. Justify why you exist. Therefore, oh yeah, I'm doing this. I link up with this person. And I have this song coming out. I have that. And I have that. And I have that. What's next for me? I want to see how peaceful I could get. I want to know if I could be so peaceful I'd never speak another word. But I just realized the futility of it all. <laughs> I just realized I can't, you know. I picture myself sometimes being older and just living in the middle of a little forest somewhere and just... just You're about to be a monk, a monk amongst us. A monk amongst us. Man, I open it. I open. No, honestly, where do I go from here? Deeper. Deeper inside. Because if I really want to answer the questions that people are asking and if, and if I really am being put into positions where people feel as though I have any type of answer, then I owe it to myself and I owe it to... I went to my ancestors, I went to those who are here now and those who will come to be able to provide the best um, solutions and answers and whatever. That's not going to come from me thinking about what the problem is. It's not going to come from me hammering my brain into trying to solve problems. It's going to come from me relaxing. Mm -hmm. Just relax. Relax and allow it, allow it to just happen. Allow it to happen. Because I, I, I already know what I need to know. So do you and so do all of us. That knowledge is ingrained in us. 
there's no question we can ask ourselves now that hasn't been answered by some one of our ancestors. Right there, you know? Nothing is new under the sun. No. Well, thank you very much. I wish you immense joy and immense peace along your journey. Uh, thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you for joining us here as well, for staying thank for this so conversation, much, yeah. this much-needed conversation. Thank you so much. Mohammed, I believe that you are a blessing in many ways, and there's a lot for you to say, and uh, there's a lot that your voice can do. And you've lived your life. Your life is your experience, but it was for the benefit of others. And I, and I hope that you pour that out because there's yeah, a lot in there. Um, thank you, Ryan. I didn't know you were in here. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Josie. Hi, Day. Rose. Um, so for, for those of you who don't follow Mohammed, please do follow him. His tag is right there. Follow Freetown Collective. And if you don't follow Life and Lemonade, please do as well. Um, Life and Lemonade. Love, light, and possibility. Team. I love you, Leah. Love. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for sharing this space with us. I hope that somewhere along the way, you find value in the stories of our guests that opens your hearts, inspires you, helps you uncover your own truth, or simply provoke deeper thought in your lives. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and follow us on Instagram. Join us here next time for another episode of Life and Lemonade. Until then, wishing you love, light and possibility.